Konnichiwa, my friends. This is Master Samurai Tech Radio, episode 23. Today is February 7th, 2018. We're your hosts. I'm Samurai Appliance Repairman. And I'm Mrs. Samurai. And Mrs. Samurai is a little bit uh, recovering on the tail end of a cold, so she might not sound as perky and chipper as usual, but she's feeling that way on the inside. Ain't that right, Mrs. Samurai? Oh, yes. So, yeah, sorry. And I may have to uh, mute and cough occasionally. So, that's okay. Please bear so, with me. Special edition today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the ASTI 2018 Roundup, mostly what we're going to talk about, the wrap up from the, uh, the Annual Service Training Institute. See if I got that right held uh, just a couple weeks ago down in St. Petersburg, Florida. And we're going to be talking about all the good stuff and fun times and uh, all the great stuff that happened down there and wrapping that up, both the, uh, the personal and the professional and the technical stuff that went on down there, a lot of good stuff. So we'll be wrapping that up. And we will also give you some, since we just got done traveling uh, to and from Florida, We'll give you some travel tips that uh, we came up with that we thought would be uh, helpful to share with you to hopefully prevent you from getting a cold like Ms. Samurai got. And then we'll have some other fun facts to know and tell and share with you. So you ready to go, Ms. Samurai? I'm ready. All right. So let's start off with the ASTI 2018 highlights. Well, it was beautiful St. Pete, St. Petersburg. Really had kind of a feel of the old Florida. Um, more so than say like Miami um, uh, yeah. the year before. Uh, very different. Uh, it's interesting. Same state, but very different um, feel down there. We were. It's on the Gulf. Of course, St. Petersburg is on the Gulf of Mexico, and it's. We had a beach that uh, a room that was actually facing the beach. We paid for that upgrade there. Fantastic sunsets. Oh, you know what we should have done? We should have had um, uh, a photo ready to share. That you, you took some great sunset shots. I mean, just I amazing. Know. Yeah, I, I have no idea how this will work. There, can you see it? That was I just one it. random shot taking one sunset. Uh, you didn't even have to work hard to get a good picture. No, it's not coming out in all its glory. I think you had another one too when, um, when we were at the Sub-Zero conference. I think you might've gotten one there, the Sub-Zero little meeting that we went to one evening. Uh, see if you can find that. That one was fantastic, but that, that came out pretty good. See yeah, if you can get another one. Ah. Here, because that night we had a little more clouds in the sky, which gives the you know the light something to play off of. That's the award-winning shot right there. But anyway, so almost every night was just fantastic, and just cause, so so you had that kind of uh, that was a setting for give you a little uh, background on that. And um, we had we'd gone in there. Uh, of course, our big uh, event uh, intention for going down there is to do the trade show and connect with our customers and tell people what we do at Master Samurai Tech Academy and the training solutions that we offer for uh, their technicians to help them up their game. So, and then I planned on, since we're gonna be in St. Petersburg and I had never been there, um, just kicking back the rest of the week and enjoying the time and just uh, hanging on the beach and chilling and drinking margaritas there. But no, didn't work out that way, did it? Uh, oh, Ms. Samurai back, sorry. Didn't realize you stepped away for a moment, but, but anyway, no, it didn't work out that way. So it turns out they wanted me to, at the last minute with no preparation, teach a basic refrigeration class. I uh, had zero preparation on that. So literally the morning before the class, it was a four hour class, started at 8.30. <clears throat> so I got up like 6.30 that morning, threw a bunch of stuff together and then uh, taught a basic refrigeration class for like four hours, went on there. So. Right, well, you did an awesome job. I'm sorry, I, ha I had to cough. <laughs> no. um, that's why I stepped away for just a sec. I figured. Um, 
but yeah, it, it uh, did definitely change the, the, the way, the flow that we were expecting of those days. Cause we usually, the, uh, the trade show is such a big swallowing the elephant Monday night and all day Tuesday. Right, and the thought, class okay. was taught on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Yeah, so, right. so we've just been through the ringer with the trade show, which the trade show was fantastic, by the way. Um, we took our son, Sam, down with us. And uh, so we had three of us working, uh, you know, son of Samurai. You've probably seen him there at Appliantology. Uh, so three of us there at our booth at the trade show. Most of the time, all three of us were busy talking to people. I mean, that's how busy it was, particularly the, the evening. What was it, Monday evening? Right. Yeah. Right. So, but that so that was great experience for him. And Sam also, it was his first trade show that he'd ever been to of any type. Uh, but great experience for him, uh, not oh, just yeah. in talking with our customers uh, at uh, at the booth and prospective customers, uh, but also going to the technical training. And so he went and went to eight different training sessions, and these are four hour training sessions from all the different all the big manufacturers. I mean. GE, Decor, I mean, you, Samsung, you, you think of it, they're there. And so he went there, took notes out all of them and digital notes and uploaded, we've, they're uploaded at Appliantology for you. So you can, um, you can download them if you're a member at Appliantology and get updated on the latest stuff that's going on. And what I thought I'd do is just sort of touch on some of the highlights that came out in some of the training sessions um, that, uh, that might be of particular interest to the tech community. Um, so there's some changes afoot, as you might expect, there always is. One thing, GE may cut off access to their GE customer net service, and they may reserve it only to warranty servicers. They're actively contemplating this right now. Currently, you can, um, you can purchase uh, access to all GE technical information, independent servicers can, at GE customer net. Um, I, I don't remember what the fee is or anything like that. I mean, we, we have it. So they're thinking of cutting off access to it because, as it turns out, why, why most of these things are driven by lawsuits. Uh, well, that's kind of odd. How would lawsuits drive that? Well, it turns out that what you, what you got are some idiot servicers going out there telling customers about service bulletins, you know, like trying to be their, their buddy, you know, hey, hey, I, I, I there's a service bulletin on this problem. Maybe you can get GE to do it for free, trying to slavishly ingratiate themselves to their customers. And so what are the customers doing? They're throwing you under the bus as a servicer, and then they're going to GE and filing a lawsuit or, or making a lot of noise and, and hassle, going online and bashing GE. Oh, there's a service bulletin, but they won't fix it for free. Here's a news flash, guys. No matter how much you ingratiate yourself to your customers, they're not your buddy, okay? You've got to watch out for your information. Why are you sucking up to them? So look, we need to sprout a pair. We need to, when we have information, when the manufacturers are standing up, doing us a solid, letting us purchase access to their tech site so we can get stuff fixed for our customers, uh, return the solid. Don't go and start telling your customers about service bulletins that exist on a particular appliance because then the customer is gonna go after the, after the manufacturer. This is why they're considering making it available only to warranty servicers. You got a vetted, vetted and known entity having access to it. Most of the time, if they're going out on a warranty job, they're going to be taking care of something that's covered by a service bulletin anyway, under the one-year warranty, right? So it's not a big deal. Right. So it, that's I one thing. It would Go also ahead. give GE some recourse. Like if they find out that, you know, that you're, you're sort of sharing information that's supposed to be somewhat confidential, they might revoke your authorization. Do you yeah. think? Exactly. But I think they've got some way of at least finding out. So 
bottom line here from that that message is um you know soy boy service techs out there you need to sprout a pair and just don't divulge don't be so quick to divulge information to customers that you are privileged to uh, at the manufacturer is doing you a favor, doing all of us a favor by granting us access to this information. Don't go talking out of school. Right. I think we have to, it's easy to lose sight that we have a, a much different perspective as servicers than an average customer does. And we know that all manufacturers find issues with some of their models, a lot of their models as time goes on. It's just impossible to catch everything in a design that could go wrong Every, yeah, model, design every phase. design has some weakness. It's just, it's the nature of designing and building something. You cannot 100% design out all bugs. What you do is you trap maybe 97, 99% of them. And then you take the other, anything that comes up is going to be relatively minor, hopefully, usually. And then you take care of it as it, as it occurs. So that's normal. Right. Everything's, cars are like that. How many recalls are done on cars? Everything that is manufactured is like that. Right. And so many customers, they just, they really don't understand. I'm not saying manufacturers are perfect, but they are juggling a whole lot of competing interests. They're competing with other manufacturers that, you know, there's, there's a lot they're trying to pull off here with producing these models and getting them out there. And so many customers have no idea what it takes to try to produce something like that. And all they want to talk about is, oh, planned obsolescence. They just really think everybody's out to screw them. Yeah, well, it's this we whole neo-Marxism that. that's crept into our culture. It, it, it's really, it's neo-Marxism. I mean, you're the business, right? Or, or somebody is a business. Oh, they're, so they're automatically the big fat cat business owner. And if they're making money, well, how does that happen? Well, because you're taking it out of my pocket. And so if you're making money, that means I'm getting poorer. Yeah, like somebody's holding a gun to your head to do, to do business with us or GE or anybody else. So. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's this crazy anti-capitalist neo-Marxist mentality that's taught in public schools and it's carried on big time in co American colleges. The last bastion of communism in the world is American universities. And so you get a lot of these skulls full of mush coming out, spouting this garbage, which is just not the way a real economy works. And so you know, guys, protect your business, protect your information, do solid by your customer, do solid by the manufacturers that are allowing you access to, to the information. I'm not saying lie to them. I'm just saying they don't have a need to know certain things. Right. Uh, do right by your customers. Be completely honorable in all your dealings, but do not. Uh, you don't have to give information. You know, in the Navy, everything was all about need to know. They don't have a need to know certain things. Right. Uh, We've talked about that courses. before, and uh, in, in other things like you know, if if you're unsure about things and need to look up something, you know, you you have to manage the the whole service call. Again, very honorable and honest, but that doesn't mean you tell them everything. Right, right. And, and nor do you make up something either. You don't say, so you don't lie to them. You don't, don't tell any lies. Uh, and, and, but you just don't give information that they don't really don't need to know. And they're just, they don't, they're not going to use it correctly anyway and know what to do with it in the first place. So um, that's GE. And the other tidbit that came out was uh, from Whirlpool. Uh, Whirlpool Service Matters, as many of you techs know, we can uh, purchase access to Service Matters. And I think right now it's like, what, 165 or something a year, something like that, something very reasonable. <laughs> and techs can uh, purchase access to it to download service manuals, tech sheets, and you know, critical information that we need to be able to troubleshoot and, and get fixed a customer's broken appliance. Well, they're thinking of raising the price from 165 to 230. And you know, it's still a hell of a deal in my opinion. But, oh, wait. What's that I'm hearing right now? Susan, can you hear it? The whining oh, and wailing. Oh, I can't afford from, 
<laughs> yeah, the whining and wailing from a lot of uh, appliance techs out there. Uh, you know, oh, you know, go on. there we go. They're just getting rich. Uh, do you hear the neo-Marxism? They're just getting, they're just screwing us. I mean, you get you even get this among a lot of the uh, appliance techs. I'm not saying most of them, but typically these guys are single operator types. They're barely making it as is, and so a little. Uh, what I call a minuscule increase in access to a critical site like Service Matters, and you can just hear the whining and the wailing and the kvetching. Um, look, if if you guys have to complain about a two hundred dollar a year business expense, if that's a real pressing problem for you, you're doing something wrong in your business, right. uh, or the you're in the wrong business, isn't right? Yeah, or you're or you're doing or you're in the wrong business altogether. So either your pricing is right, uh, you don't know what's going on with the new technology, you're not getting enough stuff fixed accurately the first time. I mean, you know, there's all, you can go sell kittens in a pet store. I mean, you know, might be might be a little Aww. more lower stress for you. <laughs> so, hey, everybody loves kittens. What's wrong? What's what did I say now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so a uh, uh, quick interjection here. Yes, As you move around, I think your mic is thwacking a little bit on your collar. Ah, are you hearing little, rustling? Just a little, little thwacks. Okay. So Thanks. I know, you know, you get very passionate when you're talking and, and <laughs> energetic. Yeah, well, I've never been known as a, uh, a, you know, I move my hands around a lot and all that kind of thing. Some people are like very monotone and and they can compose a sentence and talk. I, I just, I'm all in, man. I'm just, I'm all in, baby. You know what I'm saying? Yep, you, you speak with your whole body. <laughs> I do, yeah, which uh, is good or bad, but uh, it yeah. tends to uh, be polarizing. Um, some people really like it, some people really don't like it, and you know, if you don't like it, go ahead and click dislike on the video. Uh, if you do like it, go ahead and click thumbs up like. Uh, either way, click up or down, doesn't matter, because either way, it helps the video get out there. Any interaction, I, I, don't, I don't know if people know that, but any interaction, good or bad, with the video <laughs> helps promote yeah. that's, that's the way YouTube's algorithm works. Right, so right. the worst thing you could possibly do is not click either up or down. Oops. Oh, you just told them. I just told oh, them. All of our haters. All right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think they can't resist hating, though. They, they just have to click that thumbs down because they know we'll just stay up all night crying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm over it. So, yeah, click thumbs up or thumbs down. Doesn't matter to me. Um, observations on the technical sessions. So, moving right along on some of the other observations that came out. Um, I think, in, and I didn't sit in many of them, uh, Sam sat in, in more of them uh, than I did, but I think, and I'm, this is not a criticism, uh, it's just an observation. So I want to try to get this out delicately. I think the training has gotten a little simpler over the years. Uh, not that it's not worth doing at all. That's not what I'm saying. It's still worth doing. But I think it's gotten a little simpler over the years I, with some manufacturers. I think there's more just uh, rehashing what's in the service manual which actually that's probably okay because a lot of techs don't read the service manual or it just takes too much time or you don't understand it, but they're, you know, they go through and they explain stuff that, that is maybe quickly mentioned in the service manual. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think some of this though um, is a speculation here that it's partially in response to some of the complaints that ASTI got last year that the training was too complicated. Um, they, you know, some people just wanted to be shown how to replace a cold control and refrigerator, or, you know, some dumb stuff like that, rather than actually learn how the machine works, which I know some of the manufacturers are actually going in that direction, explaining to you the algorithm, uh, Samsung, Sub-Zero, Wolf, that, that's the direction they're going in. How does the machine think? 
um, which that's, that's awesome. Other manufacturers are not. They're, they're maybe, okay, keep it simple. And you think about it. Um, you necessarily, that training experience will more reflect that. I mean, you got a, a room of techs in there coming from all over the country, from all kinds of backgrounds, right? It varies from the know-it-all to the know-it-none. That's what you got. That's the spectrum. You got the full spectrum of techs in a training room, and you could have 50 guys in the training room. So the training is, is going to have to try to find that sweet spot. You know, if, you, if it's too advanced, you're going to leave a bunch of the room behind. If it's too simple, you're going to have a lot of the experienced guys going, just going to sleep or, or walking out. So they got to try to find a sweet spot. And by the way, this is true with any kind of class teaching situation. You've got to, you can't teach to the fastest learners. The fastest guys are always going to be a little bit bored. And the slow people are going to be always be struggling to keep up if, you're, if you found that sweet spot. So... Um, right. And I that's also, um, oh, go I ahead. was going to say, Sam noticed that and was surprised because, uh, I mean, Sam is not necessarily hugely experienced in terms of having done service calls for years. I mean, he's been riding along with you for quite a while, but um, he's very experienced in terms of training. And of course, living in this house, you know, he, he, he knows how to read a, a, a schematic and look at a service manual. And he came back from a couple of trainings going, you know, it just felt like he was reading the service manual to us. He, he yeah. didn't get why, why would anybody want to sit through that? I think a lot of the training too, uh, particularly at something like an ASTI. Now, contrast uh, a training at an ASTI. Again, I'm not being critical. I'm comparing. Um, it's and it's it's the reality of what they're dealing with. Something like a training uh, at an ASTI, where you got techs from all over of all different backgrounds. Some people know the product, some people don't. Versus like a warranty training, right? Where you've got vetted and known techs. It's generally a, a little bit smaller group. They've got the company already knows their background. A lot of times it's the field service uh, manager who's doing the training. He knows each of the guys in the room, knows something about their background already, has some track record with these guys, with their service history, with the company. So you've got a little bit more known quantity going on there. That's why companies like Bosch, they, they said, you know, we are not teaching our newest uh, technology and products uh, in the ASTI classes. We save that for our warranty servicers. Well, you can understand the rationale. It's not because Bosch is a meanie. That's not the rationale. It's, it's because... Uh, you're going to, you know what I mean? It's, it's, the, it's the ability of the class to absorb it. They've got to have some known level of competency to teach some of the newer stuff and go and, go, and they can go into a little more depth on some of the newer products. Right. Now, do you think it could be, because I know it can be hard to um, sometimes for manufacturers to get good warranty servicers who are willing to enter into that contract. So maybe it's kind of a, a goodie or a bonus, you know, like you'll get the, the best training, you know, the mo if you sign up with us, could it be? I think that's a great point. I think that's possible too. You're going to get more in-depth training on the newer stuff. And so that's another perk of signing up as a, um, as a warranty servicer with some techs, uh, with some companies. So I think also you've got um, uh, the training, I think is generally, it's something like an ASTI, it's reflecting the general state of the tech community skill. I think the training, if the training is getting simpler at, at, a, at an event like an ASTI, and, and I'm just saying it may be, uh, if that's the case, then I would say that I would just posit that one possible reason for that is because techs are getting simpler at the same time that appliances are getting more complicated. So what's the solution? I think techs need to up their game and they need to also communicate more with their trainers and through conversations, through surveys and things that, that ASTI puts out. And look, it's not like uh, the the ASTI uh, people who run it, the executive director of the board, they can ask the manufacturers to up their game and do more complicated or in-depth training. 
<clears throat> I mean, you can ask, but the manufacturers are already doing ASTI a favor by even showing up at the ASTI at all. They've, they've got nothing in it for them. They don't even have to show up. Um, you know, they're, they're, if, you, if you think of the work and the expense that a lot of these manufacturers are putting into to go to the ASTI, uh, and I think it's awesome, and, and uh, thank all the manufacturers for doing that, um, they're talking to maybe a fraction of 1% of the whole tech community. So uh, for the money spent and the, and the benefit, uh, there's not a lot there. It's really kind of a, it's a great goodwill thing. And the, tech, the, the techs that are there to take advantage of it, I think, do benefit. Uh, unquestionably, they, they benefit from the training and getting to know the field service managers. You've got other people on, on staff of these companies who are there and getting to know them personally. Uh, that's always, that's an, a, that has its own benefit. So. Right. So bottom line um, for people who, who go to ASTI is to uh, make sure, if you go to the technical training, make sure you converse with the trainers, give them feedback um, politely. <laughs> and, and also yeah, they and have way, these, they these are great. I just want to interject. These are great guys. These trainers are all great guys. They're doing a great job. Uh, and, and I'm not just sucking up. This is, this is, people don't realize how hard it is to train the prep that goes involved, I mean, and you're on, you got all these eyeballs watching you. Uh, it's a bit of a freak show. Uh, and you know, so you gotta be comfortable talking in front of people about uh, products that you may have a varying level of depth of knowledge on. So there's a lot of skills that come into play to make a good trainer. You have to speak well and communicate well. You have to understand the product. You have to be able to field any kind of oddball question that comes at you. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's a job, it's, it's a big job. Right, right. And then also uh, USA on their app, and uh, yeah, they used to do it on little cards, but I think it's all on the app now. They they ask people to rate each session, so you know, just be be interactive, give feedback yeah. if you go to these things, so that they can try to make them better. I think ideally it would be nice if they could do some sort of like more beginning track or more advanced track with some of the technical training, but that's probably it's not. not I don't see that in an event like this. I don't see that feasible because then uh, you're going to make, it's already a, what, a four day event. So you're going to make it even longer and, and uh, you're gonna, it's putting even more burden on the manufacturer trainers. I don't, I don't see how that would work. And they're, they're kind of struggling with this now, like with the, the basic refrigeration uh, class that we, we talked about that, that, um, that I did on Wednesday morning. They, they do like a basic like refrigeration. They, they want to do this, some of this basic stuff on the day before ASTI. So like basic electronics or not electronics, what the, the one I did last year on basic diagnostics, troubleshooting. And, um, and then there's basic gas, uh, ba basic electricity, um, and then uh, uh, basic refrigeration. So the idea was that they do those at the beginning of the, um, uh, before the actual ASTI and the manufacturing classes start. But it just makes it longer, and there's there's so it's controversial. It's not like it's uh, that's not been a great workable solution right. either. So well, then maybe I mean <laughs> I'm just brainstorming. But if, if it were me, I would maybe think about scheduling some of those basic training sessions during the ASTI event, not put on by manufacturers, but by you know some of the different trainers instead right. of being on a separate day. Do it during the event. So. Techs who need that will go to some of those in lieu of some of the manufacturer training because they'll actually get more yes. out of that. This is true. Rather than get product training, let's start with the fundamentals, build up on the fundamentals. And this has sort of been our whole philosophy and approach to training. If a tech knows the fundamentals, you can figure out the rest by reading the service manual, looking at the schematic. So right. you're better off to backfill any kind of fundamental gaps and, and then build on that. Now, 
you know, it would be really kick-ass. No, what? What? Tell me. Oh, I got all, all techs have to take fundamentals of appliance repair before going to ASTI. I mean, <laughs> that would be that would be so awesome if, if techs did have that. In fact, that's why we're doing it now, where if techs who get certified in the fundamentals course, they get Master Samurai Tech alumni free tech, full tech access at Appliantology with the, the, the tech community there, the, the downloads, the webinars, they have access, they get the whole, the whole ride uh, free because it right. is such a valuable thing. We find that techs that do get certified in fundamentals, it's really up their game. We hear it. We go to the fundamentals uh, core class at mastersamuraitech.com, go to the fundamentals class and look at the reviews. How many have we got now? Like over 50 or something, but a five-star class. All five-star. Review after review after review written by real people. We're not sitting there, you know, late at night writing this stuff. These are real <laughs> people, right? You know, writing their review and their training experience with it. It's it's a game changer. We've had people tell us those exact words that the fundamentals has been they've been in the trade for 15, 20 years. Never knew they could do this stuff. Total game changer in, in how they do service calls. And that's the idea. If you know the fundamentals, it'll change your game, it'll up your game, and it, then you can backfill on you can build on that just by reading the service manuals. So. Right. Uh, that's always been our MO to training. So, and I think also ASTI is moving on from the technical stuff, but they're 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 really up in the game on the. It seems to me, anyway, and you were at more business co uh, trainings than I was. That they're they're up in their game on the business training. Seems like that, which is really that's a smart move because that's yeah. something you're not going to get anywhere else. You're not going to get in the warranty training. You're not going to get it anywhere else. Uh, but the business training, and that's kind of the golden goose. And I think that um, I think that's a, a good thing to focus on. I don't think they're doing it at a, a deliberate detriment at the expense of uh, technical training. Don't misunderstand that. I'm just saying, I think they, that, and the ASTI training, by the way, is done by um, volunteers um, or, you know, or other, they're not done by manufacturer um, trainers. So it's other servicers who run a large service company or, or other trainers or things like that. So it's other people from the industry. No, oh, for the, putting, the business courses? Yeah. Yeah. They also um, bring in some people. They bring in experts on some of the topics, say uh, SEO or marketing uh, type right. topics. Yeah. Yeah. That they will um, bring in experts from different companies. Um, but then, yeah, a lot of the the board members for USA or other experienced multi tech operators will share their experiences. And even, I mean, a lot of them, they have great. Q&A sessions towards the end. So you hear from business owners sitting in the audience too. And it's it's really helpful to hear different people's experiences, things they've tried. Well, so they're the very different classes too. Great. The business classes, they're, they're just the, the composition of the, the, the room, people in the room itself is just, you know, these are business owners. So mm -hmm. they're, they're, as a generality, they're operating a little higher level. Um, I'm not calling text dumb. Okay, don't don't read that into it. Uh, it's just a different a, uh, perspective. Different perspective. Yes, that's where. Thank you. That's where I'm trying to go with that. But and so it. But it's a it's a whole different feel in the room. So um, it's just kind of an interesting observation for sharing observations. Right. <laughs> um, I know independent uh, owner. I mean, sorry, owner operator, single individual. That's what I was looking for. Owner operators that we know and that we see every year there and chat with, mm -hmm. they've shifted toward, I mean, they'll maybe pick cherry pick a, a two or three technical trainings to go to, but they're shifting more and more to spending time at some of the business trainings because they realize that's where they're getting the biggest payoff because it's, 
helping them to increase their profits. That's a great point. Yeah, and that's and that's stuff you're not going to get anywhere else. So it's it's the unique. Uh, I, I think the unique offering uh, at Asti is training on how to groom and run the golden goose. That's that's the business systems that you have running your business and delivering your service. Uh, in the first place. So, oh, one other class that you went to, and I've been to it before, but Diane's Dishwasher, Diane Hoffman's from Reckett Benkheiser. Uh, great <laughs> right. company, by the way, Reckett Benkheiser. They make French's yellow mustard, uh, Frank's hot sauce, and Finnish uh, dishwasher pods, right. and also Woolite. But uh, they, but the great company. I, I love Better Living Through Chemistry, and and uh, I, I really believe in that. Um, yeah, they, if, <laughs> if you've never been to Diane's class and you go to Asti, you need to go. You, you would not think that something called chemistry of dishwashers or whatever it's called would be that interesting, but it really is fascinating. And I'd say probably of any of the appliances, that's where customers kind of screw things up the most in terms of how they use the appliance and it affects its um, performance. So it's really great information for you to know uh, as a company or a servicer to be able to teach your customers how to properly well, use their dishwasher. Washing, whether it's washing machine, clothes washing or dishwashing is all done in a low water environment today. And so that means you're, it's not about just wasting tons of water and slurring it around, sprays, you know, sandblasting the dishes clean. It's it's about chemistry, and so it, and it's there's some amazing chemistry going on. Not hard to understand, but you got these special molecules. It's great for a servicer to understand this stuff because there's a lot of service myth mythology out there too. Not all the pods, the dishwasher pods, are created equal. Most of them are just one part. Well, to do a good job, you got to have two parts, like the finished product does, both the enzyme and the bleach. If it's only got one part to it and, re and it's released all at the same time, <clears throat> that's just a single part detergent. And that's that's going to generally do a crappy job. Won't dissolve well or that's that's where you tend to get the complaints. And you had a lot of services, they lump them all together, like they're they're all different. I know what for us, our experience here in our service area, all the customers that I get on the finished product have they've all been delighted. They've all and we use it ourselves. Um, right. they've all been very happy with the results and it's made a big difference. And we even use Woolite too. I use that on all of my um my dark colors. So that's but anyway, right. oh, class worth that. going to. The uh, Reckitt Benkheiser has now split into two companies. And honey, honey, you said it wrong. I can't say it like you did. Reckitt Benkheiser. There you go. Or actually, they went to RB out of desperation, I guess, because nobody. Reckitt Benkheiser is so fun to say. I mean, who doesn't want to say that? I know. <laughs> um, so their hygiene and their home products are now have been spun off into their own company. And so they took the first two letters from hygiene and home to create the company name. So it's now called Hi-Ho. <laughs> yeah, and Diane said yeah. they didn't ask her about that one because uh, yeah, maybe that works in Germany, but that's, that's just, I don't know, kind oh, of flaky I here it, it seems like. Hi-Ho. Oh, there you see now that that plays. And that's probably how they say it in Germany. So th that, that sounds like it's got some some chutzpah to it, but okay. Yeah, but hi ho, here in America. Yeah, seven dwarves. Yeah, seven dwarves. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the um, sort of the wrap up with Asti. But then we had some travel tips since there's travel involved. Getting to Asti, plane, uh, you know, flying, and of course, planes are filthy, disease-ridden. Uh, environments with all kinds of opportunities to to catch uh, nasty little diseases, and you had some tips. 
that you were I sure know, which I've, I read these after we flew home and after I got sick. Um, yeah, we tend to think when we're flying that, you know, falling from 30,000 feet is our biggest danger. But um, no, that doesn't happen too often, fortunately, but lots of germiness does. So the number one, what, what would you guess is the number one concentration of bacteria on an airplane? What area? Uh, the, the underneath the toilet seat. That is probably pretty nasty. I would avoid licking mm -hmm. it at all, mm -hmm. you know. I, I do. You can. I, I, I struggle mightily, and <laughs> I have so far been successful in, in avoiding that. So, all right. So, but somebody swabbed all over an airplane, different places, and they found the highest concentration of bacteria was on the tray table. Get out. Which we all touch, of course. I mean, I, I don't put oh. food directly on it, but still. So, I mean, how hard would it be to have? you know, little pre-wrapped antiseptic wipe that you just wipe your table down real quick before you uh, use it. So easy. I mean, that'd be all, even if you just had the uh, hand sanitizer stuff and just squirting that on there as a gel, if that's all you got, and just let it evaporate, you're better off right. than nothing. Right. So beware the tray table. Yeah. Um, also, a, a thing that happens to us, we all know this, you dry out when you're on a plane, right? The air is very dry and, you it's know, like 10 your nose. humidity, I heard uh, somewhere. It, oh. Just like ultra low. And you yeah. lose, so you lose a lot of moisture through your skin as well. That's why right. you have, you dehydrate on a plane. That's also why alcohol, if you drink too much, you know, every alcoholic drink you drink yeah. has mm -hmm. more impact than normal because you are also dehydrating. So you're nasal passages are one of your first layers of defense against germs and when they get dried out um, they're going to let more through so particularly if you're flying throughout the day in a long flight or more multiple flights it's probably worth having a little travel size of nasal spray just the kind that moistens there and just little squirts a couple times keep your nasal passages moist now what and do you carry what just like saline stuff not afrin you wouldn't want to use something like afrin Right, not the like uh, vasoconstrictor or whatever, but just, and I've never used nasal spray, I have to tell you. Mm -hmm. But I know there are some that are just for, like with eye drops, you know, you can get eye drops that are simply for moistening your eyes. I, I think there's something similar for the nose. I should have investigated, I'm sorry, I did. Well, that's all right, it's something, it's something, it's homework, so that you can that's go right. and uh, bing that and look up yes. your saline nasal spray, probably something like that, I would guess. Right. Now this is the easiest one because you don't actually have to prepare for it before flying. And that is that apparently all flight attendants avoid drinking the water, the tap water on a flight. And so this includes the water they use to make tea and coffee. Because even though there are certain requirements they're supposed to meet for sanitation for the water systems, apparently it's something that is, fails quite often or at least often enough that most flight attendants know to avoid drinking it so um choose See, now that was that was that's kind of odd to me because a lot of times i'll get a cup of coffee on the plane i know i like tea i ain't doing that no more right so get bottled or canned drinks only whether they're <laughs> alcohol they all have bottled water now or you can get i like just getting a can of seltzer because i don't want to get caffeine usually because of the dehydration stuff but sometimes i want flavor so mm -hmm. And a nice bubbly seltzer is kind of nice. Well, anyway. from, so from physical hygiene to mental hygiene, I just wanted to give a, a mental hygiene tip. We talked about how to avoid getting uh, sick on a plane and that's physical hygiene, <clears throat> all good stuff. Well, and then also want to share a mental hygiene tip and that's Facebook causes brain damage. Yes, it's true, scientifically proven. Uh, in fact, here's a newsflash. 
like the one and only thing that I agree with George Soros on. I mean, we could not have more different <laughs> worldviews, uh, but I, I actually agree with him on this, but it's not just him saying it. There's, there's other people as well. And it, the way it does that might be surprising to you. Um, he says that Facebook and Google manipulate users like gambling companies. They, they are deliberately engineering addiction into their services that they provide. Um, they deceive their users by manipulating their attention and then directing it to their own purposes, commercial purposes, like marketing or whatever. So in this respect, um, these online platforms, Soros is saying, uh, become similar to gambling companies. Casinos have developed techniques to hook gamblers to the point where they gamble away all their money, even money they don't have. Well, so you're kind of frittering away your time, wasting your time, giving up a lot of information not just the information you think you're typing in there, but they're scraping a lot of information off your phone. Um, there's some interesting stuff on that. So they, there's some a couple of articles too where they manipulate users' emotions as part of a psychological experiment. There was a study where Facebook deliberately did this. So this is what they do. So social media, all of it, Facebook, Twitter, Yelp, I mean, calling Yelp, Yelp the sewer that is Yelp and calling that part of the yep. social media. It's um it's actually antisocial to its core, according to the very people who produce it, who introduce it. Like this one guy was a former vice president for user growth at Fakebook, Flakebook, whatever you want to call it. Uh, before leaving, he said in a presentation at the Stan uh, Stanford Business School that the short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. Listen, no civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation, mistruth. And boy, is that true. I mean, just a little years ago when I used to you know, try to you know, wait around on Facebook a little bit before I realized what a sewer was, just realizing this with people, it's like, even people at church, and it's like, oh, I didn't want to know that about you. It's just like, and they say, people will say things on there, feel like keyboard tigers, that they would never say to your face. It's like, really? You, that's, that's how you want to present yourself to other people? You're going to see me this coming Sunday. Is that really what you want to do? So right. it's just kind of an odd thing. But it also goes, it's, it's more than just psychological manipulation with the subliminal stuff that they do and the, and the, the overt dopamine uh, driven feedback loops that they have with that, that it's all built. They have people who make a lot of money, teams make a lot of money to design this stuff in. Social media apps are also weaponized mind control devices and it's psychological like some of the stuff I've told you about. It's also physiological. Yeah. Um, so just talked about the uh, dopamine response. Uh, to induce uh, addiction, uh, they they change vocabulary that everybody readily adopts, like redefining the word friends. Your Facebook friends, you know, you've never seen this person, or maybe you do once in a while, but they're a friend. So they controlling language is another form of mind control, right? Read the book 1984. That was one of the big ways that they controlled uh, people, controlled the masses uh, in the in the different um, uh, political sectors there. But not only that, the physiological control is they control brainwaves by EMF modulation. Oh yeah, this will come out. So I don't know if people remember five years ago that uh, uh, people were talking about digital TVs and your cable modem. They're listening to you, they're looking at you, they're sending signals back. And of course, all the, the, the lamestream media and all the intelligentsia, they were all snickering. <laughs> Isn't that funny, the latest conspiracy theory? Well, now they've come out and admitted it all. You can just Google or Bing around, you'll see it. They, they all admit it. The, the, yes, your cable modem's listening to you. Um, so they do this primarily for marketing, 
at least that's what they say. That's what they've admitted to, but who knows what else they're doing. And so people aren't snickering about that anymore. So this is going to come out later on too, that they're, they're weaponizing the electromagnetic field that's produced by these things to influence your brain waves. So yes, Facebook, not only they're tracking you, they're scraping your personal information, they're giving you brain damage as a bonus. But hey, it's free. <laughs> It's not just though. saying this because you've never liked it. <laughs> uh, the The platform itself, no, I don't. I don't like what it's become. I don't like how it manipulates people and 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 how it it suckers people in and hooks them in, and it, it purports itself, holds itself out to be something that it's not. Right, but I it's think, free. <laughs> I think it it reminds me of television viewing. I mean, um, uh, it, it's there. I, I, I mean, we haven't had regular television reception in, I don't know, 10, 12 something years. But I can remember that thing of, you know, you turn on the TV to watch one particular show and then just, you just wanted to keep clicking around with the remote and the more channels they added, the more you just felt compelled because I have stuff. all and this at my fingertips. Done. Yeah, and you didn't get anything done because they sucked all of your time. They, right. is, they deliberately, they, it is doing this by design. So what's, is the solution to be a Luddite, to not use technology? No, but it's to use it wisely. I mean, we're all about technology and we our, our businesses are internet-based or at least our online businesses are. Uh, even our presence for our service business is out there. We've got a website. I, we use it, but we do simple things like um, we will cover the webcam on my computer here when I'm not using it like this. Where'd you go? A simple little little device that I just covered up. Not only that, Mark Knickerbocker does that. The head of, what's his name? How is it? Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg does that. <laughs> do this every time. The, the head of Facebook does this. A lot of these people who are the big wigs in these mucky muck uh, media, uh, social media companies, they don't let their kids use it. That's a big one I was gonna raise too, that you know, until, kids are a certain age, they highly restrict how much time they spend on devices. So you got to ask yourself, what do they know that they're not telling us? And I've given you a, a hints at some of that too. It's not only psychological addiction, it's physiological addiction. They're affecting you psychologically and physiologically, giving your brain damage while you're using their free product. Right. So, I mean, the bottom line is that like with all of life, you have to be deliberate and you have to be mindful. Um, whether it's choosing what you're going to eat from a buffet or how much time you're going to spend on your computer or which social apps you're going to use or not use, um, setting, you know, I mean, everybody can tell. You can tell how something's affecting you. I've gotten embroiled in, in arguments online and then I couldn't sleep, you know, because I let it go too long or too late. I mean, you know, you, and you can other be smart. Things, yeah, and that's a great point. But other simple things too, your phone don't have it in the room with you or put it on airplane mode uh, in your room because it is putting out cell signals and all this is proven that it interferes with sleep, interferes with the pituitary gland um, and, and sleep shortness. Sleep is not a luxury. It's a necessity. Um, right. It's been proven. It's been li definitively linked to a whole host of physiological diseases, not getting enough sleep every night. So, Right. Now, there is one big exception to all of this. Um, you should spend as much time as possible at Master Samurai Tech and Appliantology. Yeah, which are, are not social media. Very good for you. <laughs> yes, they're very good for you. They're, and we don't have any of that. Master Samurai Tech Academy is not social media. You could argue that Appliantology, because it's got the community aspect, it's more so that line. But we don't have any of that, that uh, technology built into it. None of that dopamine stuff. None of that 
EMF modulation stuff. We don't scrape your personal information. We're not doing any of that nefarious stuff because it's me, you, and Sam running it, and we're using Envision Board software to run that site, and anybody can check it out. So it's, uh, no, but yeah, that's a great point, though. Great tips. Spend <laughs> as much time as possible at Appliantology, and you'll, it'll actually make you smarter. That's the difference. That's right. Yeah, and, and of course on our YouTube channel, spend as much time as possible on our YouTube channel. Just go through all our videos, click thumbs up, thumbs down, but doesn't matter, interact with it in any way and uh, it, that helps us. So that's awesome. All right. All right, so well, well I think it's a wrap on that one. Ground. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground. So I don't know what the time is like on this one, but covered a lot of ground and I think that's a wrap. I think that's all we got. So we'll just sit back right now and enjoy. We got this big Mondo snowstorm going on. I'm looking out the window right here. It's supposed to get like a, like a foot of snow. Today, oh, nice. did all my service calls this morning, got the, in anticipation of this snowstorm that's going on outside right now. So kind of fun. I'll probably go out a little bit and lay in the snow and I don't know, sip, sip a beverage or something. Usual <laughs> Sounds New good. Thing. And I'll go <laughs> skiing tomorrow. Yeah. Fresh Yay. powder. Powder. All right. Well, Miss Samurai, that's a wrap. And so listen, I want to thank everybody for taking the time out to watch or listen, whatever you're doing, if you're watching the video or listen to it on podcast. Thanks so much. We really appreciate you spending some time with us here today. Hopefully it was helpful to you. Hope we gave you good information, even if you don't agree with all of it, but it was hopefully new information for you. Always interesting, always controversial. And uh, until next time, sayonara. Bye.